Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're joined once more by Alan Green. Alan, thank you much for joining us today. Morning, John. Good to be back. So we have a number of equities that we're going to be discussing today. But before we do that, Alan, let's touch on probably the biggest headline that we're seeing in markets today. And that is the largest increase in UK inflation for nine years, rising to 3.2%. But we have seen a very muted reaction in markets so far. Very little movement on the FTSE 100, very little movement in sterling. Do you feel, Alan, this is very much down to the higher reading that we're seeing in inflation being down to inflation that is transitory in as far as it's inflation that we're seeing that may not be there next month and certainly won't be there the month after? Or do you think maybe the market is underestimating rising prices in the economy? Well, I think judging by the market reaction today, John, um, the, the the former is certainly the case. I think it is a transitory issue, largely driven, um, and you know Reuters uh, share my views on this, um, that the Eat Out to Help Out scheme, um, the push down restaurants uh, uh, meal prices last year, saw you know saw a, a huge rush really to um, people who were who've been in lockdown, getting out and eating out to help out, as as the, the name suggested. So, so I think I think we've um, we we've very much that's very much a transitory factor. Um, and of course, you know, people in lockdown had uh, they were unable to spend money that uh, would normally be uh, allocated for spending on entertainment and leisure and such. So, so there was a huge rush of or outflow of that money. I think what we'll see from now on, you know, providing there are no more lockdowns, is is a more measured and back to normal approach, you know, where you see the normal, uh, the normal flow of cash. And I think that's why the market has hasn't really reacted, because it, it, it's taken that view, um, it sees, it sees that um, it sees that there, there was this temporary blip due to COVID. And now uh, things are settling down. And it also reflects, I think that the market are happy, or the markets are happy with the measures, the government both in the UK and governments around the world have taken towards um, towards uh, monetary easing to support um, economies and support businesses and companies as they come back to work. And one of the factors behind this is, of course, uh, that the help out to uh, eat out to help out last year. But of course, that there, there is within the food industry rising prices due to. Uh, supply chain pressures. I mean, is this something that you think is maybe a little bit too much underneath the radar at this point in time, and is indeed something that could persist through the end of the year and actually see um, prices probably rise uh, a little bit more than they are at the moment? The Bank of England have said that they see the inflation rate hitting 4%. I mean, they have that uh, in their projections already do you think at that point then they could be forced to move on rates or or do you think now that they're actually seeing that happening that you know in their projections that they're thinking okay yes this four percent target if it is indeed hit will be very briefly hit and they don't have to act and, and unrail the 
recovery that we're seeing here in in the UK? Or do you feel that it's something yet that they're saying, yes, it's 4% and we're going to see that, but they haven't really given any guidance on what they're going to be doing in terms of rate because they don't want to unsettle the markets at this point? It's probably a bit of both, actually. And, and I agree. I mean, there are supply chain issues out there, but these are less driven by COVID uh, for the UK and more driven by Brexit. I mean, I know across a number of sectors, people I speak to, um, there are issues with supply. Um, I mean, on, you know, on a very left field note, uh, I was chatting with um, a chap that runs a, a classic motorcycle restoration business, um, and he imports a, a lot of uh, um, paint and equipment from factories around the world so he can restore the bikes to, the, to their original condition. And due to Brexit, these these suppliers just aren't getting through. And when they do arrive, um, he's having to pay more for them. So the uh, the net effect is the end cost goes up. And I think we'll be seeing this across a range of industries where um, there are supply difficulties. And when the stuff does arrive or when, when it can be sourced, it will be more expensive. Um uh, how long this will last for is is anyone's guess, but um, but of course, you know, break, Brexit was never a perfect solution in its current form. So uh, I'm I'm sure the government will be working on taking measures to to uh, free up those supply chain blockages and ensure that we can get back to normal. But certainly that will be a factor in the government's target, um, and it's a question of how quickly they can find solutions to these supply chain issues. Um, if they can find them fairly promptly, then we should see that number return to uh, more normal levels uh, as we as we get into into 2022. Indeed, indeed, and I think it's a case that the the Bank of England are in a situation that they know if they act too quickly, the gains that we've seen in the economy could quite quickly unravel so this is something that's going to be watched very very closely by the markets um but judging by the market reaction today i think there's nothing changed in the views of market participants that we saw uh, a month or two ago that this is a blip in inflation and not anything to be worried about at this point so let's just move on now Alan, to the the first equity that we're going to discuss today, and it actually plays quite nicely into the, to the theme of, of inflation and one of the drivers in particular of the higher inflation and the help out to, to eat out scheme. It's, it's a business that uh, would have been very much involved in this and also a business that's had a very torrid time throughout uh, COVID-19, and that's Restaurant Group. We've had interim results from them this morning. Alan, what do they look like? Well, it's a, it's a good set of results. I mean, the the uh, so restaurant group, of course, um, they that uh, they own um, a, a range of um, of casual eat out eat, uh, eating uh, or eateries, as it were. Um, Wagamamas. Um, they have uh, pubs. Uh, they have a uh, pub pub and leisure leisure sector and a range of um, a range of, of restaurant brands. Um, out there uh, across the UK, um, and they're also um, they're also expanding some of the smaller brands. Uh, Frank Amanka is um, uh, is of course a, a, um, a and an, a challenge to restaurant group, and it, it's 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 uh, conceivable that uh, it could uh, threaten restaurant group's position going forward. But certainly, their numbers this morning are very strong. I mean, we. Um, uh, the, the 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 company reported a twenty one percent hike in like for like sales for Wagamama, 
pubs were up 12%, leisure was up 18%. Um, and of course, this was largely driven by the, um, uh, uh, as outdoor dining uh, started again. Um, Andy Hormy, the chief executive, said they get, made good progress. Um, uh, obviously, you know, refinancing and recapitalization was uh, necessary. But um, but uh, there are still short-term challenges, but they're, they're pretty confident about about their position going forward. Um, so, you know, if, if you look at it, uh, total sales of 216 million for the first half compared to 227 million for the first half last year. Um, and uh, an EBITDA profit of 11 million, despite the trading restrictions, uh, compared to a loss of 18 million last year. So that is a that's a strong performance. You know, um, the company still carrying net debt of 200 million, but uh, it was carrying well over 300 million uh, at, at this time last year. So definite progress from the group. Shares currently trading at 117.5p. They're down down two or three percent in early trade. They trade as high as 140p on the year and as low as 36p um, in the midst of the crisis, obviously when everything fell off a cliff um, uh, in March last year. But um, yeah, uh, uh, are they a bet for recovery, continued recovery? I I think based on their market position, the strength of their brands, um, there's certainly further upside to come, but the outlook for the sector is still very uncertain. So if you hold these shares, I'd probably stick with them for now. But um, uh, it's not one I'd be adding to my portfolio uh, at, at the current time. I mean, what does it look like for, for businesses such as Restaurant Group, which before the, the pandemic were, of course, wholly reliant on their on their outlets and, and concessions and such like? I mean, is, is this now a business that investors could look at as one that plays into the, the new economy after COVID in as far as a lot more people are, are eating at home. Um, and that's obviously going to be a significant driver for uh, the restaurant group. Because if they're, if they're able to deliver sales without that, the rental side of things is, of course, uh, margin improvements there. Or do you think any boosts from deliveries? We've obviously spoke about Just Eat and, and Deliveroo in, in recent months is something that's very much going to be left to the period of, of lockdown and, and obviously the, the restrictions from COVID, or do you think this is a trend that's set to continue and we could see further growth in delivery businesses uh, from companies such as Restaurant Group? That's a very good point, actually, John. I think uh, one of the one one of the elements in the Restaurant Group results this morning, um, they, they said that delivery sales were up 146% in the last eight weeks leading up to August 29th. And of course, that's the period uh, when there was no lockdown. So that does imply that the shift to uh, to uh, delivery, you know, food, uh, food takeout, um, is it, it, it's a seismic shift in in the industry. So restaurant group clearly are able to address this very well. And of course, Deliveroo, we discussed the other week. That's uh, that's a very strong uh, performer too. So um, I think I think certainly um, there are people out there that post-COVID, will never go back to the old way of life and they will continue to live this way and that will include uh, eating out. I mean, certainly if I look at uh, our family, for instance, the the uh, the, the, the uh, takeaway orders that we now have have increased as, uh, from a couple of years ago. But um, 
Uh, I think that's inevitable. You know, when you are tied to your home and and you fancy a change, then you can just uh, pick up your, your your phone, get on the app, and order the food. So um, I, I I think that is here to stay. Um, but restaurant group, as I say, that they are well positioned. They have such a network that they are very capable of doing that and utilizing uh, their own distribution network. So um, so yeah, they're, they're a strong player. And they they are well positioned to deal with this structural shift. Indeed, indeed, and of course, you you mentioned there the the challenges from from smaller brands. Uh, of course, with Restaurant Group, they have a number of legacy brands there, and they've already brought in uh, Wagon Mummers in recent years. So it's going to be interesting to see how the market. Uh, adopts the the move back to to casual dining and that's going to be an uh, one of the main drivers i think for for the economy going forward so it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out for them so and now let's move on to the second company that we're going to discuss today cadence minerals now this is one that i remember back to the beginning of years we had a very strong news flow from them and, and one that we did discuss so i think it's probably worth you know going into a little bit of detail here on them because it's not one that we have touched on the podcast for some time. So what's the latest been from them? Okay, so Cadence Minerals um, are a mining investment uh, group and um, they have a number of uh, investments across um, a range of, of commodities. Um, currently trading at 21.5p, the shares have traded as high as 32p on the year and as low as 10p, um, giving the market cap of about 31 million. Um, now, that there, a lot of investors have been expecting news from the group, and uh, um, it, that that uh, relates to the company's flagship project, which is the Amapa Iron Ore project um, in Brazil. Um, and this is a, it was a very exciting uh, uh, find from the group uh, uh, a couple of years ago. Um, the Amapa iron ore uh, is a complete mine. It, it's an iron ore mine with a huge tailings pile and a railway from the mine directly to its own private port in Santana. And due to a collapse at the port, the mining the mine had fallen into disrepair, but it was valued by Anglo-America and the former owners on its books at $600 million in um in uh, in 2012 so it's a hugely valuable asset um and uh, uh cadence have put put together a, a structure which they took to the local um uh, regional government in amapa in brazil um and they have so far um uh, achieved every single uh, uh required point to uh, to bring the mine out of um out, out of administration uh with the exception of one uh, and that is um, the. Uh, I'm, I'm just looking at the the presentation here. The uh, the the, um, the there were a series of uh, a series of uh, uh, issues that had to be addressed, including bringing the um, or, or permission to bring the railway um, back into um, back into operation, which that has been done. Um, the uh, the mine itself uh, is undergoing a recommissioning uh, at the moment. Um, the company needed to obtain permission uh, to ship the iron ore stockpiles, which are at the port of Santana, which has been doing and it has generated uh, substantial revenues from that already. And then the final precondition was the acceptance by the three banks, uh, which are uh, the three banks uh, in different time zones around the world. Um, the three banks 
uh, were required to accept the terms of the restructuring uh, going forward. And what, what this means for Cadence as a tiny mining company is that once the banks agree to that and there is the, the banks um, have a, a legal agreement in place um, and it's uh, as banks do they take uh, they take an inordinate amount of time to complete these transactions um, but uh, the the board said in the interim statement in uh, in uh, um, uh, August that uh, that um, the, the Amapa project is moving forward um, the uh, the and 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 the the agreement basically is in place to, to to complete it, but the banks have to sign off on that. And I know it's causing um, a degree of frustration amongst investors. But once that happens, um, there is two and a half million dollars in escrow, which will be released. Um, some of the uh, creditors have already been paid through the iron ore shipments. Um, but once that agreement is signed, Cadence will then own twenty percent of the Amapa iron ore project. Um, it then has the option to invest a further three and a half million dollars um, following the satisfaction of those investment preconditions. And that increases its stake to 27 percent. And then it has a further option to increase to 49 percent. So for a company that has a range of investments around the world, just that one investment alone, the value of that recommissioned back up and running, um, a fully recommissioned uh, a MAPA iron ore mine would be generating EBITDA in the region of 130 to 140 million dollars uh, 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 per annum. You know, which is a, a huge amount of money, and uh, obviously dwarfs anything Cadence are currently bringing in. Um, so that that's it's poised at a very exciting juncture, and we've seen along with other uh, uh, companies involved in mining that there has been a general malaise in the sector, and there's there's been a pullback over over the summer months. Um, so currently 21p, um, as I say, uh, the company also in its interim statement said um, the equity investments have performed very well. It has it owns 12% uh, of European Metals Holdings, EMH, and European Metals Holdings has um, has developed the Sinovec lithium project on the Czech-German border. Um, and uh, the EMH have an agreement uh, and a joint venture there now with CEZ Group, a giant East European utility, uh, to 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 develop the 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 uh, the uh, lithium mine and the lithium that's mined at um, at uh, Sinovec will be used uh, uh, to supply a battery gigafactory which will be built uh, nearby, um, and that's uh, that's uh, the the equity investments generated a total income of three and a half million uh, during the first half of the year. Um, and uh, that resulted in a profit of 2.8 million for Cadence Minerals um, just from those equity investments alone. Um, the company also holds another a number of other um, lithium assets in Australia, three lithium assets, one of which is close to um, the Finnish project, which is owned by ASX listed Core Lithium. And Cadence is currently reviewing those to bring those lithium investments back online. And uh, in addition to that, it also has a 30% joint venture stake with uh, Hastings Technology Metals on some of the licenses at the Yanjibana Rare Earths project. And this is at uh, in the region of Gascoigne in, uh, in Western, uh, uh, Western Australia. Um, uh, certainly Hastings Technology Metals have recently upgraded the, the mineral resource estimate for the, uh, the, the key uh, uh, um, assets within the Yanjibana project. 
doesn't include the uh, Cadence uh, joint venture um, assets there. But nonetheless, of course, it will have a positive readover at some point for, for, for that project. So combine those projects uh, give Cadence currently a value of 31 million, which I think is derisory considering the, the scale of the IMAP project. And it's, uh, I believe once this uh, the agreement is signed with the mines, we will see Cadence revalue very sharply and very quickly. So you touched on there, Alan, that we've seen across the mining sector uh, a decline, and that's right up to the FTSE 100 miners all the way down to uh, yeah. the more junior explorers. I mean, do you feel going forward with with Cadence that they have the potential to break out of this correlation with the mining sector if they see some, some significant developments on the portfolio and indeed the, the Amapa project there? Or do you feel that, it, that it's now classed as a company that moves very much in line with the overall mining sector and to some extent what we're seeing and the potential with their projects is already priced in or, you know, is this something that we can see them sort of break out of this trend of just moving with, uh, with mining companies? Well, well, the majority of mining and exploration companies are exposed to projects where there are surveys undertaken of the, of the, uh, the region in question, aeromag surveys and then soil sampling and then trenching and all to find out what's below the soil. Cadence is different. Um, uh, uh, one of its assets, the the lithium assets in Australia, obviously are at that stage. So it does have early stage exposure. But European Metals Holdings is very much um, late stage. You know, it's very much approaching the point where um, uh, you know once the once the lithium is mined, it will it will be used uh, at that gigafactory I, I mentioned. So there's real value there. Um, but the Mapper project is a ready to go mine. The um, the the uh, the company undertook a, a mineral resource estimate, which uh, increased by 21% from the original work that was done in 2012. Um, so there's there, there is uh, uh, there is ample uh, iron ore in the ground to keep the mine running for for many many years, and obviously it will rejuvenate the entire region because it's it, it was a big employer in the region. Um, so the infrastructure is there; it needs recommissioning. So it's very much. A late stage stage project in that regard, um, and once this once this deal is in place, I mean, uh, you know, the the, the mine was valued at six hundred million. We've seen a bit of a pullback in the iron ore price of late, but nonetheless, iron ore is still massively in demand because we've had economies that really have been dormant for a year due to COVID. So there's a year there's over a year's catch up, and uh, there will be a supply squeeze for these essential uh, commodities going forward. And iron, iron ore will be one of them. So, um, a, a mapper, uh, the, the team have already shipped. Uh, there have been a number of shipments out of the port. So, the iron ore that's come out of a mapper is already in use um, uh, by major buyers around the world. So, um, I, I, you know, once this uh, process is completed, there will, I, I think, be a substantial revaluation for Cadence, um, which will. Which will, uh, I, I think, it will massively outperform um, its conventional um, counterparts in the sector. Thank you, Alan. So, I mean, just before we finish here, we, I mean, we were at the beginning of the year were discussing a commodity super cycle. There were various analysts from investment banks pointing to a multi-year cycle in commodity prices to the upside. 
since then we've actually seen a decline. Do you think we're, that we're still set for a commodity super cycle going forward? I certainly do. I, I, I think the I think well, well, uh, firstly you have um, commodity super cycles have often followed major events in history. Um, you know, major disruptive events such as uh, global world wars. This was a global pandemic that uh, basically knocked um, the the economic cycle, the normal economic cycle within all the uh, major countries for six. So those countries have got to get back back uh, up to speed again. They're a year behind. So that in itself um, uh, provides the perfect backdrop uh, for for uh, consumption of these commodities. In the US, we've got the is it the 1.9 trillion uh, infrastructure package announced by Biden. Some parts of Central America, the infrastructure is very out of date, needs updating massively. So, so uh, there will be huge consumption there. Obviously, China, we, we know all about China. Um, and then, of course, you've got um, you've got uh, the the safe haven demand for gold, for precious metals, and for copper. And all the constituents of the new the new battery industry, and of course lithium. We've just discussed lithium, uh, but there's also graphite. There, there's uh, there, all the rare earth metals we, we discussed, and copper, which is an essential part of it. So all these prices are burgeoning, and um, yeah, I, I fully expect to see a sustained ten year, uh, five to ten year um, uh, a, a super cycle within the commodities. Certainly, once uh, as we get into the into the second half of into the last quarter of the year. Indeed, indeed. I mean, looking at prices so far this year, of course, we had a very good start to the year, but nothing goes up in a straight line if you look at any chart of any market <laughs> over over history. So, Alan, thank you very much. Just as a reminder there, the two companies we discussed today was Restaurant Group Trades under the ticker of RTN, and just then was Cadence Minerals, which trades under the ticker of KDNC. Alan, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you, John. Just as a reminder to listeners, we have the UK Investor Magazine Virtual Technology Summit next Tuesday, the 21st of September. So do check out the website, get yourself signed up for that. We're going to have two sessions, a morning and afternoon, and we're going to be exploring various aspects of the technology uh, sector and some portfolios of assets that investors are placing themselves in for further innovation. So do check that out uh, on the UK Investor Magazine website in the events section. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.